0: reading in church a proud partner with audible.com previously on reading in church and other distractions the difficulty of the fact that within the story there's no good characters you know the tendency to want to read it allegorically Um, so you have a lot of a, a lot of commentators trying to, uh, re rehabilitate the manager who Jesus refers to as dishonest. Okay? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and who the the master in the story refers to as dishonest. So you not believe how much people write about, well, in that day, I, uh, a uh, a manager had his own percentage that he could take off his own, you know, tip, you know, you don't have to tip me, you know, wow. it's like, no, <laughs> um, when I, you know, when I was teaching When I was a visiting professor at Fuller Many moons ago when I had my sabbatical out there And I was teaching the the, uh, the road movie course And we got to this we were using this for I forget what what text we were reading with this, uh, what what movie we were watching. They struggled with this so yeah. much. It was so funny. It's just it not they didn't struggle with anything else in the course, but they really struggled mightily with this. And and I said, why do why do you suppose we are struggling with this? Why do you think that this is so difficult? And one guy raised his hand. Thank God, there's people like this in, yeah. in classes. And he goes, because we're evangelicals. <laughs> <he said. laughs> We don't want to have any bad guy. We want to have a good guy so we can think that, okay, that's the God guy yeah. in, in, in the story. And so I'll, I'm going to go with that. Welcome to Reading in Church and Other Distractions with Rob and Mike.
1: Well, welcome back to the podcast. I am Robert Wallace. And I am Michael McKeever. And as Mike just pointed out to me, we are at the penultimate podcast for year C. Yes, we, we are. Crazy to think about. Uh, we have our typical four readings, but atypically no psalm this week, um, Isaiah 65:17 oh. to 25, and Isaiah 12. Oh. So two okay. new creation passages in Isaiah, and then we finish up 2 Thessalonians, is that right? Uh, yeah, I don't know if end? we're doing this next week or not. I don't believe it's... I don't, how many chapters are in Second Thessalonians? I don't even I don't know. know. I don't <laughs> I don't know. No, <laughs> yeah, because there's up, only but...
0: a couple more verses in it. So yeah, right. this, this must be, it. yeah, I think we have a little John 6, maybe, uh, or something oh, okay. from John. Yeah.
1: Well, Christ the King would be next week. Yeah. So that's probably mm-hmm. what that's about. And then uh, Luke 21, 5 to 19, mm-hmm. where it, Luke, I believe it's discussions of the temple in Luke. So I imagine you have something to well, say.
0: They're leaving the temple and end time stuff. So, yeah.
1: Okay. All right. Yeah.
0: We're getting close to that. Mm-hmm.
1: we well, hope that you will like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Reading and Church in both of those places. And uh, we're getting ready for the meeting coming up in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, in the San Diego, meetup. the big meetup, yeah. the big
0: nerd meetup.
1: It is a big nerd meetup in San Diego. Mm-hmm. So, yes, all sorts of yes. Not I'm not everyone's a that. nerd,
0: but predominantly.
1: Yeah, that's there's a lot of I I actually think everyone is a nerd at this conference, really? Mike. I don't okay. think you go to this conference if you're not a nerd. Okay, all right, um,
0: all right. yeah. Who am I kidding? Yeah, <laughs> I, so, I mean we're all <laughs> maybe ask an outsider. Yeah. That's their that, exactly. perspective on that.
1: Exactly. So Ask my anything wife. we need to, <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Anything we need to talk about or update or I don't know. Any uh, news? How's your car? You got a car last week and.
0: Oh, I thought you meant about the meeting. Yeah. We have two beds, right? We have to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I bought a car on, on Craigslist and didn't die.
1: <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I got the text back, so I was excited about that.
0: Let's just count out seventy hundred dollar bills in front of everyone, and then you're going to leave the bank. <laughs> it's like, wh- where is this? Sec- the security guard's on his break. What?
1: <laughs> you're not going to come with me, are you? It's- yeah. Actually, I had that a similar experience when my oldest son was born, and the hospital said, okay, you can go now. I said, wait a minute. You're just going to send me home with uh, a newborn? That's a weird <laughs> feeling, isn't it? Yeah. It's <laughs> like, I don't trust any hospital that sends me home with a newborn. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. You have to show more ID at the bank. Something.
1: <laughs> you, know, you, you made it. It's yours. Thanks. So.
0: That is a weird feeling. It is. It is. It's not like a wedding right. where there's any reception or anything to. But no. Um, buffer. It's no, it's no. no. There's no honeymoon.
1: <laughs> no. No, there is not. <laughs> not a honeymoon. Oh, jeez. So we had a had a great Okay, I'll tell this story. Okay. Uh, we had a great experience this week because uh we went over to see my son at his college he, choir mm-hmm. was singing the national anthem at the first basketball game of the year and he attends a school that is pretty proud of their basketball program. You might remember it as a major bracket buster a few years ago. Oh. He goes to George George Mason. They mm-hmm. got to the to the final four and screwed everybody's brackets up. Mm. Anyway, he was his choir was singing the national anthem, and then he's part of this uh, pep band. And he would want me to say the number one pep band in the country. Um, really? In the yeah, that oh. I don't know who keeps those records, but they're pretty proud of that. Um, I've never seen a pet band like this, to be perfectly honest. It's, it's got cellos and violins and an oh eight- person choir and uh, I mean, they do Prince and they do Mike, Michael Jackson and they do Stevie Wonder and and it's insane. They it, it did Kanye. it was crazy. Wow. It was crazy. What instrument yeah. does he play? He plays the trumpet. Oh. And uh, and so there's a bunch of trumpets and I mean, that's your typical brass instruments, but I kind of focus on the keyboards, get electric guitars, cellos and violins in the pep band, yeah. you know, along with the auditioned choir. So anyway, we we thought, hey, this is a great night to go because he's singing in the choir for the National Anthem and he's playing in the pep band. We can see both things, be supportive parents, get our points, you know, mm-hmm. and and move on. And so Cindy got some tickets, and they were up in the rafters of the, of the Eagle Bank Arena. And um, we got there about 20 minutes early, and we're sitting there, and this, this young kid, good-looking kid, comes up. There's nobody around us, right? We're, you know, like six rows from the top of the arena. Mm-hmm. Nobody's anywhere close to us. And The guy comes up and goes, hi, I'm from the—I um, work with the marketing department here at George Mason, and we're upgrading your tickets. Oh, And uh, we've got two tickets courtside for you down there, and we're going to give you hats, and we're going to walk you out on the floor and tell everybody you're the interstate move of the game. And, oh. uh, and so I was like, sure. Okay. And so Thomas had seen us up in the, you know, the rafters and then we go down and he didn't see us move. And so as he's walking off the court, I'm like, Thomas, Thomas, Thomas. And he turns around and looks at me like, what is going on? And we're like, Hey, how you doing? And he goes and sits down like with this really confused look. Huh. And then they bring us out on the court and he's like, what is happening <laughs> right now? Our faces is up on the screen.
0: in not embarrass me in front of my friends.
1: <laughs> exactly exactly so it was one of he's like wow can't even have a night about him it, it, oh you should have then. done
0: a shout out to him then
1: we did we did yeah. he's like oh and his son's in the pet band and i turn around and point to him and he waves his hat and so yeah it was pretty funny <laughs> it, was, it, it was so fun so we got to watch the whole game from the you court you didn't do
0: a spider-man it's,
1: love you no no i love you <laughs> i'm gonna need a copy <laughs> on that no i did not uh gonna need a verbal response i did i did not do that uh but it was pretty great So and it was a good game and they won the game. So they played Navy. So so it was it was uh, Armed Forces Night and so they gave us these hats with these American flags and of course my wife works at the Veterans Administration Medical Center and she had her VA jacket on which has the seal of the VA on it and she puts on this American flag hat with this jacket with the seal of the VA. I swear it looks like she just got off Air Force One. (laughs) It is like it's so funny. We get it, a patriot. We We get it. it. You love your country, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. It was I had a student
0: situation. ask me in class. We said, "Are we?" Uh, do you, she asked. It was it was singular. She asked me, "Do you celebrate Veterans Day?" It's like, "Oh, this is a trap of some sort." What are they talking about? Yeah, and I lose track of like, "No, this, this school does not. We're not going to observe. We don't get time off. You know,
1: that's not going to happen." I'll send you the picture of what it looks like. Yeah, it, no. it's funny that uh, they had two uh, World War Two vets there, 195 that walked out and waved, and it was a big wow. deal. It was a big wow. Hmm. So so yeah, the picture of my wife wow. decked out in her patriotic garb. Oh, listening.
0: okay. I'll take a look so at that. enjoy that. Yes. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that does she does look like <laughs> she, she, she just got She just a bounced Air Force bounced down 1. Air Force One and, wow, uh, that that's a that's a yeah, good look, it really you know. works. It works. So. Hey, speaking of bands, I was in uh, I was in uh, a uh, kind of an artsy part of town which we live close I was to. I say but, that's um the only good thing about uh, white flight suburban <laughs> sprawl is that people intentionally move to the abandoned parts. Like, oh, yeah, we're we're not gonna we're not gonna do that. We're not into that. And then then they develop these very very creative and uh, diverse uh, intentional parts communities parts of town. Very skew a little bit artsy. And we went. I was taking um, Madeline, my daughter, back to her home, which is a couple miles away. And we stopped at this. They got some boutique ice cream. Sure. It's very cool. And then there's this something called, you know, big out here. I'm not sure this was a chain, national chain or not. Tower Records. Yeah, Maybe I do Tower remember Records. Tower Records. Anyway, that's gone, you know, because all record stores mm-hmm. pretty much are gone except for the the uh, retro vinyl. So there's something. This is called the Tower District. So it's called. There's something called Tower District Records, and usually there's there's a live band there, even though it's a just a record store. I went in. and It's like, wow, this is a big this is a big band. That's a lot of. There's a lot of horns in this band. There's in fact, there's a lot of people milling around with horns. That is is very unusual, because usually it's not that kind of band. And and, uh, and then they said, okay, we're going to do something with the big band. And then all the guys with the horns went up on the stage. And then it's like, this is a tight band. I, I lean over to the, the hipster behind the counter. I go, who's this band? And he says... They're from Fresno Pacific University. <laughs> <laughs> I go. Oh, whoops! I should know that. <laughs> whoops! <laughs> I work there. That's where I work. Okay. Gonna yeah, get weird. So. I feel
1: like it just got weird.
0: Uh, it got weird. It got weird really fast. Okay, <laughs>
1: we're gonna leave now. Oh, that's funny. All right. Yeah. Well, that's enough of the stories, big, I guess. Let's. Big man. Big man day. Let's do. Uh, let's do Isaiah. Okay. A lot of Isaiah. All right.
0: Wow. Do you want me to read them both together? No, that wouldn't make sense. No, no.
1: You know, I was trying to decide which one you should do first. They've got 65 first and then 12, which I don't Mm -hmm. quite understand. Um, Why don't you do 12 first and then we'll do 65. Okay. I'm a canonical guy. That's as close as I can get.
0: Okay. Um, Isaiah 12, 1 through 6. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away and you comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my might. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name. Make known his deeds among the nations. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be known in all the earth. Shout aloud and sing for joy, O royal Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel.
1: Yeah, that's all of chapter 12. It's a short chapter. Um, oh. Okay. And uh, this brings to a close of a sort of discrete unit in Isaiah 1 to 12 is. Uh, pretty much a coherent well i won't say coherent but it's at least one unit of of that people group together 13 through 27 i'm gonna make sure i got that right are uh sort of oracles against the nations and a little apocalypse that's included along with that uh mm-hmm. and then you get some new material from 28 on to 39 <laughs> little apocalypse we get a little apocalypse that's a what they call the little apocalypse can i
0: interest you <laughs> folks in a little
1: apocalypse <laughs> like oh no, uh, no, no. We're, we're doing okay stuffed. thanks thanks uh, it's a way fair thing. Um The uh, but this comes together. I mean, so form critics love to sort of end the section here. In fact, I have seen commentaries written on one to twelve, you know, one to 12, 13 to twenty-seven, mm-hmm. and then I mean, you can write, you can break Isaiah um, down into okay. a lot of parts. Mm-hmm. But this is sort of the end right. of one. Um, but this is this is hope after quite a bit of judgment um, that's come on Ahaz uh, for not doing what God would have them to do, um, for not even mm-hmm. wanting to not even caring about what God thinks about this. Um, mm-hmm. The hand of God was moving. The hand of Assyria was moving. And so in chapter 12, verse 1, the I will give thanks to you could be I will lift my hands to you. You could translate that. So, I mean, that's an, a nice play with the word hands uh, that, of course, oh, we miss, okay. miss in English. Mm-hmm. Um, but after this judgment that you get on ahaz in well really the end of seven and and eight and then the promise of emmanuel not really a happy emmanuel but a scary emmanuel in nine mm-hmm. and ten, you know scary emmanuel well it's one of those where god is with you but god is with mm-hmm. you like the teacher is with you while you're taking the test it's it's an intimidating mm-hmm. emmanuel yes you know yes. not a fluffy happy kind of emmanuel fluffy yeah. emmanuel um but the uh then all of a sudden, it turns to hope, and uh, chapter 12 is is this looking forward to hope, and I was trying to to look at some of the, the verb tenses, because one of the sources I was looking at said, you know, the tenses in this section are odd, and maybe they mean this, and I'm like, what, what's so odd, and I looked, and I really would struggle with this, because some of the stuff is present tense, some of it's future, some of hmm. it's narratively told as though it's future, or told as though it's past, it, it's just, so I think... You are angry with me, um, um, your anger will turn away is not a bad way to read that also. Um, mm. But I also okay. understand why they went with you were and your anger has turned. I, I don't know. It's it's an unusual thing. Um, mm. Some people like to make a big deal out of salvation as a tie-in to Isaiah's name. It does connect to Isaiah's name. Um, and because this is sort of a discrete unit, and the verse one is uh, has Isaiah's name, and this section has Isaiah's name, some think of it as an inclusio of that section um, because uh, okay. it has that. But uh, but it, it's looking forward to this. I mean, this is an eschatological expectation, but you don't get a whole lot of detail here. Um, but but mm-hmm. on, in that day, anytime you see in that day, you get that's sort of an eschatological okay. expectation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, exalting God. That day is pretty vague in in prophecy. Yes, you know, that's right. That's right. Um, Exalting and lifting up and making high. These are major themes throughout the book of Isaiah. Who exactly is high and lofty? Um, God Mm -hmm. is supposed to be high and lofty, but others are exalting themselves all the way through. And so, so, you know, we've talked a little bit about Isaiah being divided up into parts, you know, one to 39 and 40 to 66. And we're going to, we're looking at two clear examples of hope from those two different parts. Um, some actually would put the, the other bit of hope that we have in sixty five in the third part of the book of Isaiah. Um but I, I think thematically the book is holds together better than some people say the book holds together. I mean, I, I understand why people say first and second Isaiah and first and second and third Isaiah, but but there are some pervasive themes throughout the text that I think are -hmm. Enough to say, you know what? This book was put together intentionally as a unit. um, Yeah, you know when. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and and deals with a lot of issues over a long period of time. So, so this is this is a word of hope for the people. the 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 oracle in chapter twelve probably dates to uh, the end of the eighth century B.C. So somewhere in that in that time period. Okay.
0: So So the the theme of being high and exalted is. Is a thread that runs throughout it is it is
1: in fact, if you think about Isaiah's call in Isaiah chapter six, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and mm-hmm. lofty, and the hem mm-hmm. of his robe filled the temple mm-hmm. uh, so God as king as opposed to all these other kings and mm-hmm. and uh, some of the temptations that face Hezekiah in uh thirty six to thirty nine of isaiah we have we have some narrative material that was just lifted right out of kings and dropped into Isaiah there, and in those sections, the language that is used of the king of Assyria. Is paralleling the language that is used of God. And so it's sort of Hezekiah sort of facing who are you trusting in? Are you trusting in the king of Assyria? Are you going to trust in the Lord who is high and lofty and sitting on the throne? And mm-hmm. so yeah, who who is supposed to be high and lofty is is who are you going to choose as high and lofty is kind of a theme mm-hmm. for the book.
0: Okay. And is the servant talked about it? With that similar language? That's an interesting question. Exalted exalted? I believe violent. so, yes. Yeah yeah. He, yeah. yeah. Even though he exalted Which him. is curious. It's very curious, yeah, it given the th- consistency of that thread. Huh. Yeah, it's a good point. Okay. Yeah, I think, I think Bacham points that sort of stuff out. It's like, oh, it's very
1: interesting. Well, then I would say it's definitely the case. If Yeah, well, I just if, couldn't if remember. Richard pointed it out, I would say
0: yes. <laughs> yeah, I go, yeah, it's like, yeah, there's, you know, it's, uh, yeah, there's more there than sometimes yeah we think <laughs> yeah wow
1: probably okay. the first person to sort of treat the book well the first to do an intentional reading of the book as a as a cohesive unit it was in the early 90s a guy named Edgar Conrad he had a book called reading isaiah and he was aware of all the form critical issues but he he started to see the thematic connections between chapter 1 and chapter 66 and the notions mm-hmm. of high and lofty all the way through. And I mean, it's, it's an interesting read. Uh, he's, bu- right. he's building on the work before of, uh, um, Ron Clements from Cambridge, who was sort of starting to, starting to look at the book as a whole at that time. Uh, in the early eighties, actually, he was looking at the book of a whole. Um, mm-hmm. I may have told the story, but I, I still love it when, uh, when he came to Texas, uh, Ron Clements is sort of my, he's my grand advisor. He's my advisor's advisor. Uh, Doctor Bellinger had him at at Cambridge, and so uh, had him come speak to at Baylor. And while he was over here, you know, once you get across the pond, you nail as many speaking arrangements as you can get. So, Mm -hmm. so he spoke up at Southwestern Seminary, which is a you know conservative Southern Baptist Seminary. Even in the early eighties, it was you know very conservative, Um, not not as conservative as now, but even then, Mm -hmm. and so. uh, Clements comes down to Baylor and, and Bill says, so how did the, how'd the presentation up at Southwestern go? And, uh, Clements said, I, I don't know. I don't know. He said, I, I, here I am trying to tell them that Isaiah should be read as one book and they're just now getting comfortable with it being two.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah so, maybe you told me that story.
1: Um, yep. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> welcome to Texas. Right. Exactly. Well, yeah. Anywhere. But but I, th- I I tend to look at the book more canonically and and kind of approach it as one coherent narrative more than more than some do. Yeah. Okay.
0: Hey, speaking of Texas, when when's the uh, when's the convention in San Antonio again?
1: I don't know, but you want to go to that steakhouse again? Is that what what I'm hearing? I do. I do, yeah. and I want to go I want to go on the the boats also. Okay, well. <laughs> All right. I know you know, you know, I mark all of my travels by food. So I yes, do, do.
0: yes. Oh, what are we eating in San Diego? Well oh. we had
1: the barbecue place, the Top Gun place, is always pretty good. And,
0: right. There's some a uh, great fish taco place that we didn't get to last time. I got to find out where that is again.
1: Well, if you want to be, uh, I, I have heard it said by people who know. In fact, you know, like television chefs, that the best fish tacos in San Diego are in Tijuana. Oh, and,
0: okay. Uh, well, wow.
1: so I know a pretty good place there to get them too. So okay. So maybe Sunday, when
0: as long as it's not the place you and I
1: went before, it's not going to be that place. No, we're going to attempt fate. We don't have Mark with us, so we should have. We'll probably have chaperones this next time. So yeah, okay, all right. But right. Don't forget your passport. So.
0: <laughs> oh, are you, are you thinking of it going?
1: I'm preaching on Sunday in Tijuana. So
0: oh, okay,
1: yeah. All right. Now, yeah. oh, well, I, I better get it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you don't have to come hear me preach. You cannot <laughs> no. hear me preach. No, you know.
0: no, but I may, I might want to go to. Down to Tijuana. Okay, sure. We're just gonna work this out, folks. Yeah,
1: we'll just work our plans out here on the air. That's okay. Fine.
0: All right. Well, how about a? Uh, he been helping of Isaiah here. Yeah,
1: and this this probably will sound very familiar to you as a lover of the Book of Revelation. Uh huh. In fact, this Revelation twenty one. This is I, either this is Isaiah sixty five or Revelation twenty one. We'll okay. See. Go ahead with you. Yeah. <laughs> see what you think? All right.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Who did it better? All right. For I'm about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever. For I am creating, for what I am creating, for I'm about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it or the cry of distress No more shall there be in it, an infant that lives but a few days, and an old person who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth, and one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit, and they shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, And my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children. children.
1: We don't build them. (laughs) (laughs) For calamity. Yes.
0: For they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, but the serpent, its food shall be dust. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain," says the Lord. Yeah, that should
1: seem familiar.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wait a minute. So does it? I always read this, and uh, yeah, I read it when I'm going through through Mark with Isaiahic echoes. Do the does the lion ever actually lie down with the lamb, or that's just some sort of conflation of this text? Uh, you wait. know, this peace this image of the peaceable kingdom in right. twenty five. Yeah. You always hear people talk about the lion, lay, lion laying lion down laying the, laying lamb. the lamb. That's yeah. right.
1: It's the wolf yeah. and the lamb here. Yeah, they're feeding
0: together, and they're all eaten here. Maybe it's before the nap. I don't know. <laughs> Can't think of where that is. So maybe I, don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it, it is a conflation of this. Yeah. yeah. Right.
1: Uh, but you see a lot of um, wonderful contrast here. Uh, no longer crying or distress, but rejoicing. Uh, no longer does an infant live a few days. It's going to be 100 no longer does an elderly person die prematurely, but 100 is too early. Um, no longer mm-hmm. will they build and someone else live. No longer will they plant and someone else eat.
0: Because um, everybody's vegan, it sounds like. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Just live healthier.
1: Oh, well, you know, vegetarians, boy, vegans, they can they can wear you down. <laughs> um i i love the the i mean okay it it didn't take long i hope for everyone to hear the creation language right i mean this, oh, this is, yeah. uh, you know now that you say it speaking <laughs> of vegans um right the uh <laughs> adam and eve i got it i got the reference okay um verse 17 Fru- and fr- fruitarians 8 8- 18 that's right um have the word create in it. That is the word bara. That is the same word Mm -hmm. that occurs in Genesis several times. It occurs all over the book of Isaiah. Um, God is only ever the subject of that verb. Human beings cannot bara. They cannot create. Uh, So this is something God Mm -hmm. is doing. So God Uh. is creating a new heavens. He's going to rejoice in what he is creating. He's about to create Jerusalem as a joy. Um, So a lot of creation language here and Mm -hmm. reversals of the punishments of the fall. Yeah. Specifically, I mean we get that everywhere, you know, where you're planting and and reaping, but 23 in particular, they don't labor in emptiness or bear children in terror. That is a I mean direct re- mm-hmm. re- reference to the men, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Men and women both increasing pain in their labor. Mm. Right. Um but offspring are actually blessed. So this this future promise, you know, it, it's it's funny because Christians, well evangelicals in particular tend to think of the the reversal of the fall that that Jesus brings about connected only to sin. Mm. And and yet here in Isaiah it thinks about the reversal of the fall in terms of creation, in terms okay. of labor, in terms of childbearing, in terms hmm. of the the yeah. whole human experience okay. is 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 redeemed. Uh as a result of this 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 eschatological vision here. Yeah, they at the kinda end lack of focus, don't they? So Isaiah kinda <laughs> lacks focus. That's what I Yes, that's certainly <laughs> that's the message your point. i that's your thought point. you would hear me make. Yes. <laughs> He's all over the place. Yeah. Pick a theme, Isaiah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow. Oh gosh.
1: <laughs> so uh it, I just love this, this beautiful, creative vision, and, and you know maybe you've mm-hmm. got stuff to say here about what Revelation does with some of this imagery, but... Um,
0: Revelation's kind of inclusive, too, about all this stuff, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I think you're right. Totally ripping off Isaiah here. I can't <laughs> I run this through the plagiarism check. <laughs>
1: Sitting a little too close together in prophet class, uh, yeah, I think.
0: Well, Revelation is probably the most intratextual book in our, in our Bible, I think. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't, there's no direct quotes, but if you have a really good, you know, a reference Bible, you'll find several yeah. for every verse. So it's, it's really something. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I just, you just see, you can see how this is taken up as, uh, mm-hmm. uh, in, in Revelation, which, which could be understood as the culmination of all these themes that one yeah. encounters in the prophets for sure. The climax, the climax of prophecy, as uh,
1: Richard Bachum's big book is called. Yeah, I did love that. That I'm about to create Jerusalem as a joy. Um, uh, it, it's, I don't, I don't know what to make of that, but we know we usually think of cities as as human culture, and mm-hmm. here, oh, okay, he's creating, he's creating. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, Jerusalem, but he's creating Jerusalem. He's he's making it a joy, so it's it's not saying he's making Jerusalem. He's making Jerusalem as a joy, though. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if there's something there. I
0: yeah, know. I don't know. I don't know. It is the synonymous back and forth between you know the city and the people, which is mm-hmm. quite mm-hmm. quite how it's a, how it's engaged in in Revelation also. Yeah, a city, a people, a temple. You know, God being mm-hmm. in the midst of His people, delight. In my delight, in my in the midst of my people, And it's not quite obvious here. Uh, I could force it, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe let me is look. It? Let's see, um, is it? Yeah, I'll be glad and rejoice because that's that. an
1: unusual phrase there. Hmm, I'll check that while we're looking at it. Yeah, what uh, what verse is that? 65 that is 19. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's a normal,
0: normal idiom. Idiomat, it's not idiomatic in uh, in English. It's just normal, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: um, yeah. This is this is uh, the length of days is, uh, is is delight
1: in or with would work. Okay. I would accept. Okay. I would accept with my people. Mm, okay. Um, I I don't think I'm in the midst of. Probably would be pushing it a little bit, but not too bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's with, yeah. Yeah.
0: So when we, uh, when we go through, um, opening of Mark, we're talking about, you know, we were talking, was it just last week? We're talking about
1: yeah. Isaiah as a lens. It's about Isaiah and Mark. Yeah.
0: And, uh, and if you read the t- first two verses together, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ is just like Isaiah said it was the one who introduces mm-hmm. good news. Then you begin to listen for Isaiah echoes and, um, and so there's a, you know, there's a litany of, of echoes of Isaiah, but one of them would be Jesus, the curious thing in, in Mark is that Jesus is in the wilderness with the wild animals and yeah. the angels attend to him. And so he's, he's with wild animals, but he he's not hurt. So this is a, this is a famous image of the peaceable ah. kingdom. And right. so you if you test that out, you know, it's like that, is that overly subtle? Like, let's look at the context. Does the context help us with that? And that's the last thing said before Jesus emerges from the um, the wilderness and begins to preach that the kingdom of God has arrived. Unlike all his contemporaries, mm-hmm. he says it, it has happened now. You know, it's, it's, it's there arrived. It and it's like, okay, okay, that's good enough. Okay. The kingdom, that mm-hmm. kingdom is, is here. That time is, is, uh, he's, uh, inaugurating that, that advent of that kingdom. Yeah.
1: We also don't ever get too much about lifespans out after the flood. You know, people always have those crazy long lifespans prior to the flood. Mm-hmm. But here there's this sort of allusion back to that, where a hundred years is too too soon to die. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's way too young, right, um, right. which, again, is that pre-flood restoration, though with Jerusalem, which was not pre-flood. So as we point out, you know, the goal is not, to get back right. to the garden, but moving forward to well, city culture redeemed, yes, yeah, culture is redeemed here mm-hmm. is a well put way to put that. So yeah,
0: yeah, wow, this is yeah. this is amazing, and and getting close to the end is this uh, getting?
1: Yeah, that's the penultimate chapter yeah. here. Sixty six wow. is the last one. Oh,
0: great, man, this is yeah. I have not, boy, I haven't read those chapters in a long time. Yes, yeah, it's coming back to me
1: the number of the number of times create i mean I, I think the bara creation occurs something like 18 times in isaiah wow. that that okay. word so it's a lot of a lot of times god is doing stuff he is creating in the book of isaiah it's very
0: mm-hmm. very active yeah yeah creation is a as a metaphor for salvation um, mm-hmm. uh, very big in, in in the johannine writings in general yeah mhm um, I know that I just had a discussion with some Fuller students about this, and that was a little bit of pushback on that because it's why well, are you saying creation is wasn't complete? You know, is incomplete? Well, it's, it's not yeah. any longer. Yes, exactly of, what I'm saying. Un- <laughs> on the one hand, you could say, well, there's, there's something called the fall. You know, there's so there's that, yeah. but there's also uh, there's also the element because we're when we we jump into John nine to talk about the man born blind. And, uh, and there's a lot of creation echoes he's making mud Mm -hmm. and putting it on his eyes. And, 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 and what I, where I was pushing him rather than, you know, just emphasizing fall was like, well, it's not as though, uh, Christ is plan B, you know, he's always central to God's plan for creation, for his creation Mm -hmm. to bring it to completion in some fashion. Mm Uh, He's envisioned from beginning to end. I mean, he is the agency of, well, and, so, of creation.
1: And humanity's responsibility to play a role as, as and I'll say it, co-creators. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, th- I think that it was, um, I think it was N.T. Wright who said that, you know, the fascinating thing about this creation is that God created a creation that continued to create itself, mm-hmm. that you make trees after their kind, seeds with fruit in them after their kind, you know, that there's, there's a sense creation continues to create itself. Mm-hmm. And that humanity has a responsibility to steward that mm. creation, that ongoing creation, uh, and then I think, in, in particular, the Genesis four, uh, the the uh, descendants of Cain passage, imply a an important uh, responsibility for stewardship and creation in in their creation of music and metalworking and animal husbandry and city building and all these aspects of culture that everywhere else in the world were supposed to be handed to humanity by the gods oh, in the biblical uh, text. It says, no, yeah. no, no, human beings are the ones who brought that into this world. And God seems to bless that and ordain that. Mm. And that being creative is, seems to be part of what it means to have the Imago Dei mm-hmm. in, in the book mm-hmm. of Genesis. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I'm saying creation's not done yeah. um, in that right. sense. It is, right. it is finished. <laughs> but yeah. God, God took mm-hmm. off for the weekend, but, uh, but not done in that way yeah. so yeah no that's good that's good so
0: huh yeah well that that's is that's not seen till revelation that's uh that's interesting i'll bet i'll bet that is more clearly brought out in orthodox theology where they don't oh, they sure don't shy away from that they don't shy away from right uh, the uh uh sharing attributes of god you know
1: it, well, and you know what else it is it is a a how, what do you think the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was do you think the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a never or a not yet was was there ever going to come a time when man and woman would be allowed to oh eat i thought you were gonna ask me what kind of fruit it was i gonna say per, persimmon no, no, no. but Perci- well you should because I, I need to apologize to the persimmon did I, did, did i tell <laughs> no, you this what oh my god i can't believe you picked persimmon so <laughs> that so i have this church member yeah it is i had this church member who brought this is our other distractions portion of the program um that brought me a bag full of persimmons. Now, I remember persimmons as a child and never being brave enough to go near one, mainly because they were these astringent, yes. bitter persimmons. Yes. Turns out there's two kinds oh. of persimmons. There's the there's the Hachia, which is a bitter, astringent one that you can eat once it is fully ripe and soft. And then there's the Fuyu, which are like you can eat them out of hand. They're not bitter oh. at all. In fact, they're actually never very sweet. never encountered those. So I got this bag full of these, and I said, well, what am am I going to do with these things? So I look up, and I said, well, you know, I make jam. You know, I make jam regularly. I said, well, I found this for spiced persimmon jam. I said, all right, I'll I'll do it. As I'm cooking it, I'm sitting here going, this smells amazing. I I mean, it smells delicious. Mm -hmm. And so finally, I got up enough nerve, and I took a bite. And the only way I could describe this is it's somewhere between spiced peach and creamsicle. Oh, man. That's the best description wow. I can give you of these persimmons. And so Cindy came home, and I had a half a jar left. She ate a half a jar of just per, just out of the jar, just the persimmon jam. She just took did a spoon you to add, did the spoon and went have the add Did you jam. add the same amount of sugar you normally would? I added one-fifth the amount of sugar, and it was still incredibly huh. sweet. These things are incredibly sweet, so... So I made, a, I, I made the whole batch and I gave, some, I gave some jam back to the person that gave me the persimmons and she brought me a much larger batch Oh, bag of okay. So tomorrow I will likely make more well, jam. Feel, feel free persimmons. to bring some
0: to San Diego.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll try and see That's if it'll travel. That's kind of how and see I try if it'll to
0: travel. describe a, a ripe mango is somewhere between, you know, the best fruit you ever had and, and cr- uh, ice cream or something. It's just like tree yeah. ripen is just so different.
1: This, is, uh, this was, uh, Cindy described it as a spiced peach apple mm. pie. That's wow. what it tastes like If you had pe- spiced peaches and apples in a pie together It's kind of like that I, I got hints of like creamsicle in there too So okay. I don't know It was it was pretty darn good The persimmons were yummy I was pretty pleased with oh, the great. persimmons Well if so. you're just joining us This is Fruit Talk <laughs> With Rob and Mike <laughs> Exactly <laughs> Exactly <laughs> oh, Well fruit, all right, fruit Last week this, was what? Sports like and Prophecy thing. Now it's like fruit Fruit it and was. Prophecy Fruit and Prophecy Wow All right, you want to do the Second Thessalonians, speaking of prophecy in the end okay. times? Now, this is uh, Second Thessalonians 3, 6 to 13. Now we command you, beloved, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to keep away from believers who are living in idleness and not according to the tradition that they received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you, and we did not eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor we worked night and day, so we might not burden any of you. This was not because we don't have that right, but in order to give you an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this command. Anyone unwilling to work should not eat. And for we hear that some of you are living in idleness, mere busybodies, not doing any work. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly to earn their own living. Brothers and sisters, do not be weary in doing what is right. Okay.
0: Yeah, this is a theme he hits um, in both In both epistles to the Thessalonians and, and has spent some time in this and he never explains why, you know, why are people not working? And Mm -hmm. so it's just all speculation. Um, There is some, some tie it to some sort of misunderstanding of the, of the the timing of the end. Uh,
1: That's what I have uh always heard. Yeah.
0: But on the on the other hand, there are in, in Greek culture there um, there you know, Cynic philosophers didn't work. They they begged for their food, and this is a culture where the elite looked down on on working with your hands. Okay, mm-hmm, laboring. This mm-hmm. is uh, that was beneath begging in, in this culture. So um, that is something clearly not. Uh, that's not the biblical view and that's certainly not Paul's view Paul's very um defends defends the right to be uh to be provided for but also he's he's one who works uh despite uh having you know the rights of a of a minister to to mm-hmm. <laughs> to use this like eat other people's bread but uh yeah no, right. he he uses uh work in a in an interesting way and i probably talked about it on this podcast before that that's an interesting a window into Paul's mindset the way he he uh, uses his uh, vocation as a tent maker to uh, to to model um looking out for others providing for others uh, working not just for his own mm-hmm. needs he he it causes him some trouble it is a problematic in terms of status and honor um not i mean it is in the greek world not in the not not in the, in right, the in the right, jewish in his... world uh, at all and uh he did encounter that as a, mi- a missionary to the uh, the gentiles he occasionally received support but typically he for uh, forewent that and um and particularly when he's in new new congregations he's planting a church he's going to do his own work he's certainly not going to take money from from that congregation um rabbis were you know vocational they were lay lay scholars right. originally uh, certainly before the you know I don't know if it changed after after the Jewish war when they became the primary leadership of Israel I'm not sure if that changed or not I don't think it I don't think it mm. did but he put a high value value on work uh, as modeling that for other Christians um, also to distance themselves from abusive rights there's very rigorous sorts of Laws about uh, you do have rights, but uh, there's uh, we probably talked about Didache 11. How do you tell false prophets? Well, they Mm -hmm. (laughs) they stay too long, they change if they change uh, uh, places where they're uh, people who are extending hospitality. If he likes one place better than another, that's probably not a false prophet. If they order in the spirit that they should have a love feast and they eat of it, that's not a false prophet. So, uh, pretty pretty strict, but uh, certainly in. In the world that paul's uh, trafficking in he's wanted to abuse him. he wants to cut short that uh, um gift and debt or patron client sort of relationship right in in context where they might misunderstand that you know so- social mm-hmm. exchange and and avoiding potential positions of compromise um, hear more about this at uh, at Corinth, where you can imagine in a with all the problems they have and the misunderstandings they have how they could if if he had received from them they would probably right. have expectations of uh, of loyalty and and mm-hmm. honor and deference and not stepping on toes uh, other people have pointed out that uh, this is a shrewd missionary strategy as you uh, go from town to town and you don't know people you plug into the uh, ethnic quarter the jewish quarter and you also mm-hmm. plug into a network uh, a trade guild
1: a commercial yeah, network you immediately
0: yeah. have uh these these networks of connections so and that is something you know this kind of rediscovered and re-embraced last century and and probably more much more prominent this century tent making ministry you know as right. uh, increasingly you you can't just go to a country and say i'm here to evangelize your folks like right. that's that's right. not uh, that's not accepted, and maybe it's we. There's lots of other things we can bring along with that message, like appropriate technology and and teaching, mm-hmm. and so there's just there's just a lot to commend it, and uh, uh, not just providing for himself, but providing for others. So there might be cultural things, there might be theological uh, reasons for this problem at, at Thessalonica, but I'm but no one ever gets into he doesn't get into it in the letter itself, so don't know what exactly what it is.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I've, when you consider how the number of misunderstandings they had regarding the end times, I've always heard Mm -hmm. it that way. Yes. Just that, that sense of,
0: and so have I, but there, there's, there's more to it than that. And, and, and it's not the final word on, on if anyone's unwilling to work, if anyone, Un- unwilling to work is probably good if, if it's not just if someone, if someone's incapable of, of working, he's certainly right. going to provide for them. That's, that's why Paul is working. You know, it's one of the reasons, but right. this could be, yeah, I, it's worth me thinking about it again, that it could be the leaders, you know, if I'm in a position of leadership, mm-hmm. well, I can't work like, well, no, you got that right. wrong. You totally have that wrong, you know? And, and if they're, if some of the models they'd have in that culture is a certain form of philosophy, uh, Philosophers who uh, who are idle mm-hmm. and and are are, are begging, um, yeah. there's there's probably a, you might be going against the grain in a number of areas. So misunderstanding and and countercultural uh, dimension to the message. Not really sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Paul, sir. Cer- Paul certainly sure. a worker though. Paul. Yeah. Paul the worker clear, is. Uh, yes. One. The, if you once you begin to notice it, you realize, wow, he really was a. A hard worker mm-hmm. and has uh, multiple jobs and and and's and always working. He's always working. He's always doing two things at once, seems like preaching and mm-hmm. preaching and working. Yeah.
1: All right, were you ready for Luke? Yeah,
0: yeah. This is a tough that it's the beginning of a very long discourse on eschatology, but yeah. We'll do what we can. And it's not going to go any—we're not going to deal with it anymore. Uh, It was going to skip ahead to, uh, uh, I think, the crucifixion, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. What (laughs) about skipping to the end? Okay. Yeah.
1: Uh, Luke 21, 5 to 19. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, he said— As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another, all will be thrown down. They asked him, Teacher, when will this be, and what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, Beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near, don't go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, don't be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and in various places famines and plagues, and there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in a, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will, betray, you will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends and they will put some of you to death. You'll be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance you will gain your souls.
0: Okay. Yes, yeah, so they are they are emerging from Jesus ministry in the temple and he's taken over the temple and, and confronted, you know, religious hypocrisy and people, waves of people asking him questions to which he astounds them with their answers. So they cannot, they cannot, uh, they can't ask him anymore. And then another group comes and asks him and then, and then, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and then they begin, they realize they're not going to ask him any more questions, right? I think it was like the question about, up, you know, what's the greatest commandment? Up dog. <laughs> yeah, right. what's up dog. And then they dare not ask him any more questions. <laughs> they dare not ask him any He's more tricky. questions. He's tricky. He's tricky. Then he asks them a question, and they're unable to answer it about the son of David. But then he begins to point out the um the the personnel and their uh the the people strutting around you know how they're dressed mm-hmm. and the attention they want to bring to themselves There's two scenes that kind of parallel each other uh the critique of um uh the pomp pompacity is that a word? Is that how you say that the the pompous nature of uh the religious leaders and then the the fact that uh, the adornment of the leaders is kind of parallel to the adornment of the temple. Between those two mm-hmm. scenes, you have the the widow's might; she's putting in her mm-hmm. last two cents. And uh, meanwhile, this is a this is an immense structure, portions of which are gilded. You know, literally, just this mm-hmm. fantastic structure, the largest, certainly the largest, most impressive um, religious structure of the day in the world, most Mm -hmm. likely yeah, 38 to 40 acres. And after the expansion of, uh, of Herod the great. And, and so, um, this is, this, this would kind of suggest this is going to be knocked down, not one stone. That's gotta be the end of the world. But, but, but what leading up to that is the, the fact that this woman is putting her two cents into this treasury that's supposed to be for the poor. Meanwhile, it's being used for you know gilding the temple and and the mm-hmm. and, uh, each yeah, and each other. So the, <laughs> the often throughout Luke the uh, the space the space is characterized just like the characters in in the space. Okay, so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the uh, the misguided nature of the of the temple personnel is echoed in the uh, the fruitlessness and upside down nature is not serving its purpose in any means. It's—it's it's backwards mm-hmm. that that a uh, a little old lady would be giving her last uh, two cents to this. So judgment falling on the heels of this is is in keeping with uh, Jesus' whole whole tenure in the temple. You know, beginning with the with the cleansing of the temple, and and in, of course,
1: well, and it certainly cements him in the tradition of the Old Testament prophets mm-hmm. who are having exactly the same concern that. This place is not acting the way yeah. it should be. Leadership is taking these things for themselves. They're not, you know, bringing justice to the poor right. and the immigrant and the outcast. It's the same message, yeah. you know. Yeah, and God is more, is willing
0: later. to dispense with the institution, you know, to 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 judge mm-hmm. it. And uh, um, when when an institution doesn't fulfill its it's a purpose it it can it can become idolatrous and, and that's something a long a long well developed theme in luke in, it comes to more and more clear in acts that that's kind of the orientation mm-hmm. um so it's it is fitting to have this discussion on the heels of that um they ask two questions after this if they're after they're astounded by that statement, uh when will this be and will be the sign that this is about to take place and Jesus takes a long opportunity to answer neither of those
1: questions <laughs> to answer neither of <laughs> yes. those questions right. at all
0: right uh the the thing is like does he answer the questions is usually how I preface like my students to read this like does he answer either mm-hmm. of those questions and if there is a if there is a sign, is it really you know what what they are expecting is it what's that a sign of? You know, we we just mm-hmm. went through this in in Matthew. And in Matthew, he does give a sign, and the sign is none of these things. The sign is that the gospel will preach to, you know, all nations, which he mm-hmm. which is emphatic at the end of uh you know Matthew also twenty eight, where the Great commission he kind of reiterates that. Um this is, you know, as I a, as you go through this, this is a boilerplate apocalyptic
1: apocalyptic yeah Yeah.
0: you know uh earthquakes famines plagues wars you know nations you know there'll be lightning somewhere (laughs) you know it's
1: it's like oh yeah you know it's it's like i do love that so that when you hear about wars and insurrections that's it yeah it's like it's (laughs) It's it's like like a fig tree when it's green
0: it's springtime (laughs) it's springtime the unhelpful fig tree yes. yes yes and um yeah, it's very, it's very much boilerplate. And having just gone through this with uh, with freshmen, and it's not, it's not really a, it's not a Bible class. It's kind of a freshman orientation class. It's an orientation to, to life of Jesus. It's a lot of things, but we do go through Matthew. But just having a little, you know, one day to spend on apocalyptic, I just like, oh, what do I do with this? And yeah. and um, given that it's Halloween, I thought, oh, I'm going to use I'm going to use that Geico commercial about the, um, you know, the, the, the thing, the bad thing, the wrong choices people always make in a horror movie. Yes, you know? yes, yes, Because it's, it's 15, 30 seconds long, and it's all these right. horror, scary movie tropes, tropes you yeah. know, like, let's yeah. hide in the basement. Yeah. Let's hide in the attic.
1: Let's yeah. get in the... Let's run to the cemetery. Yeah, let's run to the cemetery. Why don't we get in the moving car? Well, what are you, yeah, nuts? Moving... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's
0: hide behind the chainsaws, you know, <laughs> right <laughs> when you're... You know, when you're in a horror movie, you make bad choices, but that's all, that's all standard stuff. It's not, It is. you know, it's not, that would not get your attention. You know, I've actually, I use, I use two Geico commercials. I use that one. And then the you know, 15 minutes will save you 15%. Everybody knows that. that that's what they would be yeah. saying at this point. Really? You know, tell us something we don't know, Jesus. Of course, there's going to be wars. And yes, stars will fall from heaven, you know. It's the same order in in, in Revelation. The same, mm-hmm. it escalates from uh, um, chaos breaking out on earth to to in, encompassing the heavens. And the then you have heavenly bodies that are affected somehow. The stars falling in and uh the the moon turning to blood etc the su- the sun being blotted out, so it is it is very much a uh, boilerplate, and so it's the little nuance that we miss amidst all this stuff we're not familiar with okay mm-hmm. um, here it is um let's see actually he doesn't get into this, but he does he does get to the destruction of Jerusalem, which he says Usher's in the time of the Gentiles, which is an interesting um w- unique thing about Luke mm-hmm. that he highlights that this change of orientation toward the temple is is on the one hand it's judgment, on the other hand it's 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 harsh, but it does open this new era of salvation. And and your going through this suffering is a means of bringing testimony to the world, and in fact, Jesus is going to embody all of these things about being persecuted, betrayed by uh, close loved ones, and uh, mm-hmm. and and being hauled into court, and and having opportunity to give uh, uh, testimony which can't be refuted. But but nevertheless, suffering, mm-hmm. um, and that and being put so to it's. Death. Put to death, yes. All all of those things, like your suffering, is part of this larger fabric of suffering that begins with the one who inaugurates the you know this the the kingdom bringing this mm-hmm. is the kingdom comes into this world like a child comes into the world. There's birth pangs, and and it will be forgotten for the joy that it will bring. But there are nevertheless birth pangs. Uh, but you are participating in. The sufferings, you know, your your suffering has meaning because you are participating in Jesus' suffering. You are following to to, to use Revelation, you mm-hmm. know, following the footsteps of the Lamb, and that you play a role in that this uh, this momentous changing of the ages, the the birthing of the new kingdom. Is that that all apocalyptic? Even Revelation says there's meaning. There is suffering. Mm-hmm. You're not just escaping it but there's it's a meaningful suffering as you enter into the work of of salvation and uh, jesus models it for us you know mm-hmm. and in these sh- spoiler alert you'll we'll get some of this next week uh as he's immediately going to uh live this out so it is it is doing something with a familiar genre in an interesting way that uh that if you if you you're going to you're going to see it in the next few chapters that uh the, uh, Jesus is the one who inaugurates this this new age. that's breaking in. Yeah. So not a hair of your head will perish. Typically, that's pre- preserving your physical being, but in this case, it's not. It's not. It's, it's an extended not. sense. Like, yeah, you'll die, but not a hair of your head will perish. Like, hmm, uh, yeah. how is that? It's some. It's this paradoxical it's, preservation. It's complicated. It's, it's, it's complicated. Yeah, it's it's complicated. It is. It, it is complicated. It is complicated. That's uh, uh. So the death part, yeah, that's real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, some of you would be put to death, but not a hair of your head will perish. Well,
1: okay. But don't worry, but don't worry about it. I mean <laughs> mostly yes. dead, not all dead. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It is uh, it is paradoxical images of, of perseverance in the midst of suffering and so God being with us.
1: You've got me thinking now, is is Oh great. Yeah, I didn't mean to do that. But um do all of are are all of our apocalyptic conversations in the New Testament drawing on them, at least on some level, the way Revelation is in that sense of taking the boilerplate apocalyptic and doing something different with it? I mean, you just talked about Luke doing it. We know Revelation oh, well, does it. The
0: synoptics, for sure, um, and Revelation. Well, then and... that's it. <laughs> yeah, because I don't, I don't know that you quite get that the same way in John. And
1: well, no, because of the realized eschatology, in John is different. Y-
0: y- you don't get so much of the genre in 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 and the Paul. epistles. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, you get an a, an apocalyptic outlook, but not the so, literary. That's characters. fascinating.
1: So, so, okay, of course, what what this means is that all of these texts that have these conversations about apocalyptic assume that you understand what apocalyptic is, so that they can play with the genre enough. To yeah. make a different point with it, mm-hmm. and yeah. none of us, and none of us are. Most of the time, we simply read apocalyptic and get the message Tragically. of classic it, apocalyptic, which yeah. is not the point of the apocalyptic. No, passages. it's never the
0: point. It'd be like any. It'd be like any genre of Christian music. It's like we're not inventing that genre. You know, mm-hmm. we have a distinctive message within that genre, but we're not. You know, if. Any genre of uh, Christian music dug up, you know, a thousand years from now, it's going to like, oh, Christian, you know, if you pick up Christian hip hop, like Christians had this way of worshiping and it had this distinctive beat and rhyme mm. scheme. It's like, well, no, everyone did that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's everyone did that. They have a distinctive message within that, probably, hopefully, something distinctive, yeah. you right. know, or country, you know, it's this twangy and corny hook to the songs. Like, no, everyone has that in country music, you know. So, yeah, it's, a, it's, not, it's, not the innovate, it's not the innovativeness of the genre. It's what you're doing within that genre. Yeah, because see,
1: I have always—I mean, I, you know, Balcom changed my mind around Revelation, but I had not extended it to the other apocalyptic passages in the rest of the New Testament. Yeah. To think of them as doing something different as well with that same genre. It's probably why we missed it Revelation in Revelation, you know. Yeah, that's, like, you're right. You're well, right. you know, Jesus did it, so— we're just,
0: here. you know, that that's a traditional sort of expectation of apocalyptics. Like, apocalyptic is about like what's wrong with the world and what God's going to do about it. We'll just hold on; God will do it, you know. And and that's that's one of the distinctive things. Like, oh no, 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 you've got a role to play here, you know. In fact, you guys are the key to this. Is like really, yeah, yeah. And so, you know,
1: Old Testament apocalyptic is classic apocalyptic. I mean, mm-hmm. that's it's Daniel, it's Zechariah, it's right. tra- it's the genre, it's the. It's the you know, the, basic genre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the and, horror movie that the Geico commercial is based on. Yes, you know?
0: exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's not, yeah. It's it's Night of the Living Dead, not, you know... Right. Uh, what's the one? Sean? Sean of, li- of the Dead? Sean yeah. of the Dead. Sean yeah. of the Dead. Sean yeah. of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead, Sean of the Dead, yeah. Yeah, it's... Yeah. it's uh, There are scary movies and then there's scary movie, you know, the parody. You know? It's not right. a parody, but it is innovative. You, you do have to know the genre to know mm-hmm. what's distinctive. And so things like someone being caught up in the heaven at the beginning is like, that's not distinctive. Don't right. make a big deal of that. That happens in every apocalypse. Of course mm-hmm. you're going to be, of course you're going to go to heaven. You're going to get the, you know, the blueprint for history. And you know, God's going to show you his plan and the heavenly perspectives. Like if you make a big deal of it, it means you don't know. <laughs> you don't know the genre, you know, you don't know what to focus on. It's like, that's like, mm. tell me something I don't know. So do, someone was caught up in heaven. Everybody knows yeah. that tell me something i don't know
1: like your old joke about focusing on the second banana right
0: yeah yeah the that's banana. the
1: story on the second banana there's a story
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> the point is the
0: orange not the, <laughs> the banana <orange>. yes <laughs> how did you miss the, the point is the orange
1: <laughs> well i think that pretty well sums up everything nice for yes, us puts a nice bow I on the conversation so. today yes. the point is we, the orange we came back to some fruit yeah so, so <laughs> it is fruit talk isn't it fruit talk <laughs> Well, I hope that you have had a good week. Hope that you like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at reading and church in both of those places uh and one more week in uh, in year C, and then well, I guess we start fixing wow. the podcast. We've, we've, we've that reached we've the s- end. Yeah. Screw- that we've either missed or screwed up. So, so that'll be badly. the plan. Yeah. Well, I
0: think once <laughs> we start listening to those, we'll go, well, there's more of those than I uh, thought. You
1: know, what? we could say more than we need to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So have a great week. Have a great week. Blessings. Blessings. Reading in Church is proud to partner with Audible.com. For you, the listeners of this podcast audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service they have over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iphone android kindle mp3 player surely you can find something interesting in all of that to download your free audiobook today go to audibletrial.com reading in church again that's audibletrial.com reading in church for your free audiobook go there today